What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Colin and Samir Show. On this episode, we're going to talk about some of the latest news with YouTube. YouTube just dropped some of the biggest announcements since their partner program started, and Colin and I helped out with the announcements. We made the announcements. We made the announcements. That's right. And those announcements were met with mixed reviews. So we'll get into that. It's been a really interesting week for us. We're also on the road right now. We've been traveling around helping YouTube make these announcements. We're at Creator Summit right now with some of the biggest creators in the world. So we are coming to you from our hotel room. And Colin is a little bit tired in this episode. Hey, man, speak for yourself. Okay, I will. I think I did. <laughs> <laughs> also on this episode, we're going to be answering some of your questions in our creator support segment, which got a shout out on live television. And we're going to talk about that as well. Live TV. Come on. If you're a fan of creator support, well, if that's not a then great, it was on TV. If that's not a great reason to join the Reddit, I don't know what it is, Colin. R slash Colin and Samir. If you want to ask us a question, get in the Reddit. All right. Get in the Reddit. Let's get into this episode. We start by breaking down the news from YouTube. Hey, Colin. Hi, Samir. How you doing? I'm, I'm tired. I'm pretty tired. This has been a wild week for us. It's been a wild week for YouTube, uh, and Colin and I have been very involved in this shorts announcement. Yeah. I mean, if you don't know, YouTube made a major announcement that they're going to be monetizing shorts with a revenue share. And you know, traditionally, short-form content, whether it's TikTok, Reels, YouTube shorts, it's really hard to monetize because you know, instead of a long-form video where ads play in that video and you can give the revenue from that video to the person who made it, with shorts, it's like we've got this feed, right, of just nonstop content. You're watching five seconds of one video, skip to the next. And ads are playing in between those videos. And YouTube really has been the first to come out and come up with a plan to monetize short vertical content, especially with a revenue share. So it's a big deal. It's, yeah, it's a really big deal because also you look at 15 years ago when YouTube started sharing revenue with partners. It's actually a really nuanced and innovative thing they did. You think about that where it's like, here's a democratic platform where you can post video. We're going to sell advertising and we'll pay you some of that advertising when you post video here. That's a, that's a pretty nuanced thing to do. Um, now, you know, I think what has happened is us as creators in the industry, we've all become very normalized that you post content on a platform and you get paid by that platform. You know, on the other side, I think platforms have also recognized that, that without the creators, it's the platform doesn't exist. So both parties need each other and need each other to, you know, operate in a way that is beneficial to to both. So this specific announcement is one of three, but we'll we'll stick with the shorts announcement first. So first of all, you can also join the partner program now with a thousand subscribers and 10 million views on shorts in 90 days. So that means now, you know, also all these new up and coming creators who start putting out shorts content can pretty quickly join the partner program. And then that also allows them to monetize long form video. Yeah. And I've said this a couple times over the last few days, but I think what's really important about that is, you know, the first time you get a check from a platform, it really does make a light bulb go off that yeah. this is possible. Uh, you know, for us 10 years ago, getting that first check, it wasn't huge, but it was like, oh, all right. I get it. I make videos. Ads play before them. Right. I don't talk to the advertisers. They don't know me necessarily, but I get a cut of that revenue. And now all of these new creators who found tons of viewership over the past two years with short vertical videos, which are essentially a little easier to make, you can make more, more often, are now hopefully on YouTube going to have that 
moment of realization, that light bulb moment of, oh, okay, I actually see how this can start to contribute to my income. And, you know, we'll see what the amounts look like when this rolls out, but maybe become a full-time career. Now, there were some complexities here when it comes to how to monetize shorts. The thing about shorts is not only what you mentioned, which is like, okay, there's going to be ads in the feed, but also the main pushback on this announcement, which you and I made a video about this announcement, by the way, that went out on YouTube social channels. So it was like a, it was a big deal to be a part of that announcement. And really cool to see everyone on Twitter. Yeah. Under the announcement being like, oh, wow, so cool. They used Colin and Samir for totally. this. Like, that's awesome. I mean, also just to take a step back, communicating on behalf of YouTube was a huge part of our goal when we started making content on Colin and Samir. We even made a video about how YouTube should work with creators to communicate with creators, like in 2017. YouTube as a company has a communication problem, which is ironic because they are one of the best communication platforms in the world. So it was like a real dream scenario to get to be a part of that. Now, one of the lines we said in our video was met with mixed reviews and had some pushback from creators like Hank Green, uh, John Green, Matt Koval, Matt Koval who yeah. used to be at YouTube. And, and the line was that creators can keep 45% of the revenue generated on shorts viewership. Now, we wanna unpack that. The reason why this was met with some pushback. First is, you know, the glaring one is that 45% is 10% less than we're used to on AdSense, right? We collect mm -hmm. 55% on AdSense. But the second thing is that if you dug a little bit deeper into the blog post, what it means is we get to keep 45% of the allocated amount to us, the allocated pool. So when shorts are monetized, basically all the ad revenue is pooled into one, one, one. Why don't we call it a pool? pool. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All, the, all the ad revenue is, is a lake is put into a river. Uh, no, no, river's not good, pool's good, okay. All the ad revenue is put into a pool. Then there's part of that pool that goes towards music and record labels and to cover licensing fees for music to be able to be used in shorts. So whether or not you use music in your shorts, you have a reduced pool because some of the money has gone to the record labels. Yeah, and what we learned today as well was that it's not necessarily like you know, YouTube takes 55% of the revenue from shorts. There's a remaining 45, and out of that remaining 45, the record labels get paid out some unknown amount. Right. YouTube pays out the record labels, and that affects their 55 as well as creators' 45. That's great news because that means that YouTube's gonna negotiate on the behalf of all of us because us and YouTube are affected the same when it comes yeah. to record labels. Now, the thing that I was curious about is like, why is music such a big priority uh, in shorts? And it, I guess it makes sense. Like we don't make that type of content, that popular I mean, music is such a big deal. Look at how important music is to TikTok. I mean, TikTok yeah. is driving songs to number one on the charts. It's creating new artists. It's, it's breaking artists, Yeah, you know, um, people creating content based on music. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I'm, obviously you'd have to imagine YouTube's looking at that roadmap and saying, clearly, Music is a huge part of creation when it comes to short videos. It's not important to us. Yeah. Right? We don't make sh but short fun videos with music. I'm wondering if it's because we're trained to not include popular music in our content because of monetization of long form, right? Maybe. Like, we also don't have any experience following the culture of trends that happens. That's true. On TikTok, right? Like, we're just not in that zone. I'm sure there are a lot of like younger creators and creators that follow trends that understand, of course, 
I want to be able to monetize my shorts even if they have music. And for creators like us who don't use music, it's the price that we pay essentially to be on the platform because YouTube has made a deliberate choice that music is going to be important for short form content. So whether you use music or not, you're helping to pay for it essentially. Yeah. Now during the pandemic, like in the heart of it, of lockdown, I did try a few TikToks. No, yeah, I saw. Yeah, where I danced to music. Mm -hmm. It was enjoyable. I probably didn't allow myself to do enough because it was so hard to learn the choreography. I have some too. But maybe I'll come back. There. Maybe I'll come. Maybe I'll start a shorts channel. Yeah. You have some too. Somewhere on TikTok. Under your name. In a far off land. <laughs> under under your a name. username like <laughs> user ID X Y Z one two five eight nine three four Z. Sure. Sure. You'll find a video of okay. me dancing. So the other announcement that YouTube made about music specifically now was also that for long form videos, they're opening up a, a library called Creator Music. And basically you can go in and select a track and either it'll be on a rev share. So it's like, hey, I wanna use this Jason Derulo song. And this is only because Jason Derulo was at the same event as us yesterday. Jason uh, Derulo. He didn't say that, which was disappointing. I know. But I'm sure it's annoying to him that everyone I thinks that he he's gonna say, say everyone thinks he's gonna sing his name. But he's not going to sing his name. No. Okay. All right. So you want to use a Jason Derulo track, and maybe his, him, and his label have in there. You can use the Jason Derulo track, but we're just going to split the revenue with you. We're going to get sixty percent of the revenue. You're going to get forty percent, and you'll be able to click that and say revenue share. Or they might say, actually, you can do that, but we want a hundred dollars for for the license. So there's a couple of different options of how you'll be able to license music. And up to this point, the choice was you can either use music and get zero dollars. Yeah. Or you cannot use music and retain your monetization. Right. So with these three announcements, like number one, the thing that we learned from being a part of the announcement, like I want to talk about this now. So we were part of the announcement, you know, got feedback on it on Twitter saying, hey, look, this is not, you're, you guys aren't saying this exactly right. You're, you're being, you know, kind of murky about this, that it's not 45% of revenue that creators are going to keep from shorts. It's 45% less the expense of music and we don't know what that expense is. And the lesson I think you know I learned from this is that it's really hard to package a story in really simple terms and deliver it to sophisticated entrepreneurs and creators who want the specificity of it. Mm -hmm. And I actually think those are two different paths of communication. And when we think about how you know we want to use this platform like i want this our podcast to be a very specific place so creators who you know read the the, the press releases understood you know the headlines you know i want to make sure that we're a space for that specificity to say here's 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 what we know uh, because we do get to talk to youtube a lot we do get to talk to other creators we're, we're sitting here at creator summit with a bunch of youtube executives talking to creators talking to executives and learning about the platform and so I'll just say that we will do our best to always bring that level of specificity here. And as we get to do these new and cool things of like announce stuff with YouTube, we went on live TV yesterday, talked to Bloomberg, which was a whole experience oh, in itself. Yeah. But like we're learning about this as well. So, you know, it's it's a really interesting learning process. But if you guys have more specific questions, put them in the Reddit and we'll we'll do our best to to dig in and actually answer them, just like type up. Uh, answers to what we know about this. Key takeaways from the announcements. Then we're going to get to the Bloomberg interview. What do you think creators should take away from these three announcements? I think that YouTube is working towards a direction where you can be multi-format on the same channel. Like I keep hearing a, a lot of the executives saying, we want YouTube to be your home. 
There was a culture of second channels, channels just for shorts, but with the way YouTube is moving from a product perspective, it seems like you know we, for all of time, will be able to upload shorts to our main channel, make long form videos, live stream, yeah. and one will not hurt the other. Right. Right. Like not to say that the algorithms will be completely bifurcated and separate. You know, you post a short and it does well, it collects some sort of audience. I do believe that they're going to use that information to help bring those people to your long form videos, but they also don't want shorts to cannibalize the experience for the audience. That if you put out a ton of shorts, they're getting notifications all the time, mm -hmm. right? Like they're doing things within the best interest of your audience to make sure that they are satisfied and have a good experience. Yeah, I would say, you know, the time is now to post shorts. Like I think right now is a great time to start developing your voice as a shorts creator. Uh, but as you said, it's not it's not like in replacement of long form. It's actually how do you how do you add it in addition to long form? And then when you think about the monetization paths of YouTube, you think about long form AdSense, you get 55% of the revenue. That's a totally different style of monetization than channel memberships. You get 70% of the revenue there, right? Or fan funding. Yeah. You go over to shorts, you get 45% of the revenue, and there's a music fee, you know, that comes out before you get that. So actually, I wouldn't think about any of these as the same monetization model. They're all completely different monetization models and completely different products. But I will say that like from the energy of this room, from the announcements we made, from our experience with the YouTube executives, shorts are a big focus. And for us, they've operated as a discovery tool for our long form video. And even if we made $0 on shorts all of next year, I would still prioritize shorts for us. Yeah. So I think with that, like my key takeaway for creators is really explore how to make shorts and put them, put try and put all of this under one roof, one channel. That is the direction of YouTube as a multi-format creator. What I'm excited about is that I don't think the culture of shorts has been defined. Yeah. It's still so early. You know, you look at TikTok has such a crazy hold over what the culture is of the platform at any given moment. Yeah. And the users are a part of that. They, they drive that culture. It feels like every other day there's a new thing that's taken over the For You page. I think shorts will be a little bit different by nature of YouTube not necessarily having a For You page when you open up the app. It's like your homepage, right? There's yeah. long form videos, there's shorts. And I'm curious what the experience will be like down the line as a lot more creators start prioritizing shorts. Like what is the culture? Is it very storytelling based? Is it music based and trend based? I wonder, yeah, or, or is the algorithm so good that it'll keep you on your side of it? You know, exactly, like, right, which is a different yeah, thing than that's, TikTok. That's a different I guess, thing. I don't know. I don't know, maybe, but like, TikTok, it seems like you can't avoid the the like Gen Z dance <laughs> trends, right? Yeah. Or maybe that's just because we watch a lot of them when we get on there. Yeah, I think I think it's like, it's definitely uh, an important time to develop your voice as a shorts creator. Um, and I do think it's very different from TikTok because it's discovery and it's a pathway into the rest of your formats. So just think about it like that. Like shorts is this pathway into the rest of your formats and now that's a monetizable path. Now, quickly, live TV. We were on Bloomberg yesterday, live from our hotel rooms, in separate rooms, talking about this announcement. Yeah, I mean, that was a crazy experience. Like you do a, a tech check, you feel like you're doing a normal Zoom or Google Hangout or something. And yeah. they're like, all right, it looks good, sounds good. You'll be on in four minutes. And then you're just on. You're just on TV. Yeah, you're just on TV. Thank you.
YouTube is doubling down on the creator economy, announcing new paths to partnership for creators and launching revenue sharing for shorts. This announced during their Made on YouTube event earlier today. Let's break it all down with my next guests, Colin Rosenblum and Samir Chowdhury, known simply as Colin and Samir on YouTube itself. They are the creators helping the next generation of creators learn and understand what works. I, I got texts from people who like have you know Bloomberg TV up in you know their office or in a gym, and they're just like, "What are you doing on on this TV right now?" Yeah, uh, that was a really crazy experience, and to be live. And they wouldn't give us the questions. And they wouldn't beforehand. give us the questions, and they were like kind of hard hitting at yeah, times. Yeah, there was a couple hard hitting questions. Yeah, there hey, was hard you know, Colin, this one I'm going to start with you. Of all the announcements that YouTube made, what was missing? Right. Yeah. What wasn't there that you think really should have been there? Yeah, that's. I mean, that's like, it. Listen, I didn't that's come a, prepared for that, but that should have wanted you prepared, man. I know. That's live TV. It's like gotcha. But you answered it well. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to give it away. Go check it out. It's on Bloomberg's YouTube channel. I think we retweeted it as well. Go check it out. Yeah. But one thing for all of the podcast listeners right now listening to this episode that was so exciting was that the journalist, Emily, said to me, you know, Samira, you also uh, host a podcast segment called Creator Support. You guys uh, also do a podcast series called Creator Support. You answer questions from your audience of creators. What are, what are they most concerned about right now, Samir? And I was like, Emily, come on. <laughs> yeah, shout out Creator, creator support. support on live TV. That's so cool. First time we're ever on live TV. And we're talking about Creator Support. <laughs> yeah. So now with that, let's get to some Creator Support, huh? Let's hit it. There's just so much that has happened this week. In, in the world of There creators. is a lot. There's so much. I mean, like, the whole, we, we, we haven't even started to talk about Twitch and. Started talking about Twitch. I mean, we haven't even talked about Casey Neistat coming back to vlogging. I know. I guess yeah. we did last week. But all right, let's start with. Um, actually, there's a question about Casey. So let's start with that. And then we also have a video question, which we haven't had in a while. So I'm pretty excited about a video question. All right, this one comes from the Reddit. It says, He's back, and I got a question for the pod. It feels like a lifetime ago since the first vlog, but now Casey Neistat is back in New York City. He's a great inspiration for a lot of creators, YouTube's godfather. This might be a great topic for a podcast episode, so I'd like to start a thread of questions for the episode. My question is, what is the best advice you got or learned from Casey? And if you have a question, comment it below. Well, we did get the opportunity to meet Casey in person a long time ago, before any of this was really working yeah. at all. And we asked him his advice just on kind of how to break into the YouTube space, how to do this. Whatever the next iteration of all of this is, it won't be defined by somebody else. Yeah. Because if you wait for somebody else to define it and then you try to jump on it, you're too late. So the short yeah. answer is you gotta figure it out. Yeah. Don't wait for it to happen, just do it. That's fair. That's good advice. It's a lot harder and it's a lot scarier, but it's yeah. the only way to stay ahead. All right, Casey. Guys, nice hey. to meet you. Good nice luck. to meet you. Good yeah, luck. Thanks a lot. He was basically like, yeah, no, you're just going to have to figure it out. Don't do what I've done. Don't do what anyone else has done. Right. You just got to go do some things. And I, I, I mean, that's exactly what happened. And I think we were speaking to him six years ago or whatever it was and wanted an immediate answer of, oh, you just kind of need to do this or yeah. do that. And he was like, no. The answer is always go do the work. And that's a tough answer, you know, especially at that time where you want the answer. You're like, Casey, tell me how to, how to do this. How do I become a YouTube creator? But yeah, I think, I think that advice and then also really life-changing advice for me, and this is prior to him vlogging, was his emphasis on story. You know, and that's, that's become a, like almost a common cliche in anyone who watches Casey Neistat or anyone who's you know, come across him. But he, he was really the first person I ever heard talk about uh, the story will always save you. 
and that the story is more important than production value. And the story is what travels, not what camera you're using. And there was something else that was talked about. Hayden Hillier-Smith, uh, I think, responded to a tweet. There was someone who said that quick edits don't equal retention. Retention is defined by how quickly you tell me your story and how good your story is. And I think that's something that you know Casey does really well as you know as well is that he makes sure that even if it's something you don't feel like you should care about, he finds a way to tell you a story and make you care. And that that doesn't mean that it's like manufactured stakes. You know, it doesn't mean that it's really rapid cutting with text flying off the screen. Sometimes it just means slow development yeah. of a story. Like I have an inkling of what he's trying to get to in the beginning, mm-hmm. but it's going to take him eight minutes for me to fully hear this story. Yeah. Right? He does a lot of like dual narrative storytelling where he's hosting to the camera trying to tell you something personal about what he's feeling or a thought that he's had, but it gets cut with him maybe traveling through New York meeting and greeting people, right? So you kind of have to wait throughout the entirety of the episode to hear his full point. Yep. Okay, this one comes from not just an editor on Reddit. It says, career via YouTube shorts. It says, I guarantee you've seen one of his YouTube shorts, but have you watched him over the past year? Created a career. Alan Sai jumped off on shorts with his movie, Did You Know? Facts, and is now at 1.2 million subs. I'm not sure, but I think he did a million subs in less than a year. Can you imagine what he'll be making with the upcoming YTPP changes? With 2.25 billion channel views in a little over a year, I would love to hear Colin and Samir interview him. Interviewing someone who has succeeded and excelled at shorts would be great. Keep up the great work, gents. So yeah, it's, it is interesting. The question remains, can you build a full career off of the revenue share from YouTube Shorts? We don't know. And we won't know for a long time because even when this rolls out, we just actually don't know. We don't we know. really don't know. Because yeah. we also don't know how advertisers are going to engage with the Shorts feed. We just don't know. What like, their experience is going to be What their experience like. is going to be like. And we, we all have to remember as creators, we are in the advertising business. The beauty of working with a platform is you don't have to pick up the phone and call the advertiser. I don't have to call... Uh, Nestle. 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 We haven't done a, I haven't seen any pre-roll of Nestle, but let's just use it. So you have Nestle chocolate milk on your pre-roll. You didn't call Nestle. You didn't talk to the agency. You didn't go pitch them. You didn't go sign a contract with them. You didn't do, you didn't have to do anything. They're not calling you because they have issues with how you made something. Right. What, on the, the time frame that you made it, how you said something. It's just showing before your video. It's just showing before your video. Yeah, and YouTube handles that relationship. Right. So then when it comes to the shorts feed, like the thing that we have to remember is that shorts feed has to be a really good experience for advertisers. And if it's if it becomes a really good experience for advertisers, only then will this become substantial enough for any of us to 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 generate, you know, a sustainable career just on the shorts feed. And that might take time. It might be a year before people figure out how to effectively advertise in the shorts feed. Yeah. So we can't just say like YouTube needs to make sure we're getting paid enough through the shorts feed. That has to do with how you know good the content is in the shorts feed, how engaging it is. Plus, if an advertiser is even interested in, in advertising in the shorts feed, that's the only time we're going to know. And some of that stuff, neither us nor YouTube can control. We won't like, know. Go into an economic downturn and sure. all of a sudden people are like, oh, we're actually going to cut budget for that style of YouTube advertising, but keep this long form style. Like, yeah. You just don't know. So um, last night, there was a party here, and uh, I rode the Ferris wheel with Link yep. of Rhett and Link fame. Yep. And when we got to the top, 
the Ferris wheel stopped to, to allow someone else to come on to the Ferris wheel. Okay. And it kind of stopped quickly, like a jolt stop. Yeah. And our carriage, as I'll call it, started kind of really swaying. Yep. And I haven't felt scared like that since I was a kid. Like scared. Scarier than skydiving. Much scarier than skydiving. Yeah, because it's an attainable height. Yeah. You will you, not, you'll not pass away if you fall from that height. You'll just be extremely, be extremely injured. injured. Yeah, yeah. I was like, wow, this is scary. Then I voiced to Link. I was like, I'm feeling a little scared. And Link turned to me and started rocking the carriage. Then Link said, I'm a little scared too. Okay. And well, we had a great nice. moment. Good. It was a great moment. Glad you shared that moment. Yeah. So it's a, well, one thing we haven't said is that we're emceeing this creator summit, which is a really fun role for us. <laughs> yeah. It's like... Uh, camp counselors. It's like camp counselors meets like Ryan Seacrest. For the top... YouTube creators. <laughs> For the top YouTube creators in the world. We got to meet Mark Rober this morning, which was so fun. Uh, Marquez is here. It's just like such a cool event. I haven't said hi to Marquez yet. You haven't? Have you? Yeah. You said hi on stage. No, no, I said hi not on stage as well. When? On when the did, ground. When did you have time for that? I just, before we went on stage, I went over, I said hey to um, uh, Nick, the MasterChef guy. Uh, talked to Eric for a little bit. Such a good networker, dude. I don't know what's how up you to Marquez. You just walk up, just shake well, their hand. But like, where was I during that time? I have no idea. <laughs> no idea. I have no idea where you were. Um, okay, let's get to this video question. Let me pull this up. Uh, this is from Space Design Warehouse. He has asked video questions before. The way that he produces videos for our Reddit makes me so happy. It is just fantastic. All right, here we go. I am about to play this. Dear Colin and Samir, everything's really starting to come together over here at my channel, and one of the things that's leading to is companies starting to send me stuff. On one hand, that's really cool. On the other hand, my channel deals with cooling and quieting down these Bitcoin miners, which are kind of big, and the contraptions that do that tend to be somewhat large and expensive. So, cool that I'm getting these $2,000 custom flight cases sent to me, or in this case, three whole pallets of immersion cooling equipment. But after I make a video about the thing and then roll it over to some corner of my warehouse, all this stuff's really starting to pile up. In almost every case, for me at least, no one's asking for these things back. Is there a norm or like a guideline or any kind of stigma to selling products that you've been given to test out? Alternatively, I could do like monthly giveaways one way or another, but some of this stuff is so big that that would just add another expense to my budget. Thanks guys. I also had a center part in my youth, not something I'm super proud of necessarily, but I'm happy to go on record saying that I'm center part neutral. I'll see you guys at VidSummit. <laughs> That's in reference to- Your me. center part. Yeah, coming in with a center. You center came part. in the other day with a center part again. Sometimes it just happens to me. When, no, I don't think sometimes, yeah, that's, you have to do it deliberately. You don't wake up with a center part. I, I don't wake up and do something deliberate with my hair, which is why sometimes it parts down the center. There's no shot. Okay, well, there's the no truth, shot. man. I don't know. Okay, so this question, uh, for creators who get sent a bunch of stuff, this is like a, a very specific it's a question. Very niche. It's a very niche question. For creators who get sent a bunch of stuff, can you in turn sell that stuff? It's an interesting question. Like, because he's getting sent like two, three thousand dollar cases and uh, things for whatever he does with Bitcoin mining. What do you do with that stuff in your studio space? I don't know. I mean, I guess you could sell it, right? Like quietly put it on eBay or something like that. I guess so. Just not I don't, I don't know. Name. What's the morality of that? Is that? I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't like get into the business of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think there's like a Gary V garage sale type business that you should spin up. But I do think it is interesting that like we get a lot of stuff sent to us and I don't know what to do with it sometimes. You know, it's just like, yeah, it's just there. You just need someone, I guess, to manage a process either for giveaways or donations. 
uh, or to sell it. It's an interesting uh, thought around like a company, like a third party company that arises to be like, are you a YouTuber who gets gifted a lot of stuff? We'll donate it for you. Cause I would love to donate some of the merch or like whatever that we get that we don't need. That'd be awesome. I'd love to donate. So maybe there's a maybe there's an organization that can help you donate it or um, yeah. But I don't I don't know that there's a stigma around selling it. To me, it feels kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, but you are getting stuff of much higher value than than we get. Also, I don't know how many employees you have, but like you know, that's true. Tyga who edits yeah. for us, it, Tyga takes all. The, he loves the stuff. Yeah, that's true. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Team members. It's like, but but it's like very specific stuff to what he's doing with these with the Bitcoin mining. So it's like very niche. I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know if there's a stigma around this. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Would you feel like it was unethical if someone gifted us something and then you sold it? I think so. Yeah. I think so, right? Yeah, I guess I'd probably donate it. Yeah, I, th I think so, but I, I really don't know. I guess, yeah. I guess maybe we should try selling something and maybe we'll get addicted to the game and then start a website where we sell things. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So I want to address this one. Um, this question comes from John O'Core. I should stop trying to say the Reddit names, right? That's what I'm saying. People are having a hard time with me saying the Reddit names. I mean, I guess they maybe they appreciate it. I'm sure they want you to keep saying it. But. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I've thought about this for a while and something that Jarvis said in his recent interview, he was talking about the types of shows that are just there for the background and how he doesn't watch YouTube sometimes, but listens to it. I do the same. However, if the episode is fully available on Spotify, um, with sometimes more content, I'll likely go to Spotify to listen to it. Now, um, specifically, this is talking about our show. I'll also be able to download the episode and go from there. And I don't have YouTube premium, so I can't do it on YouTube. But when I see the episode on YouTube, I might click on it and watch for a couple of minutes to see how different the video actually is. I won't watch it fully if I've already listened to it. But my main question is, what's the best method of watching to benefit you as a creator? As I write, this video only has 36,000 views and I feel like I haven't increased your AVD because I have already clicked off the video early. Well, thank you for, yeah. you know. Thanks for, thanks for considering For us. considering that. So first of all, I wanna take a step back and say, Colin and I have been involved in a lot of traveling, speaking, events, a lot of stuff that's not making YouTube videos. I just yawned a huge yawn while you said that. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're doing a lot right now. We're doing a lot. And I think the you know, the thing that we're learning is we're navigating how to be this version of Colin and Samir. How can we upload consistently? How can we focus on YouTube and spend an entire week with YouTube helping make an announcement? It's really challenging. And I think because of that, making YouTube videos and making our, our video episodes and, and um, getting them out on YouTube consistently has been increasingly challenging. So what's interesting about this back half of the year and what we've learned is putting out this show, this podcast, has been something that we can do very consistently. Like we're sitting right now in between sessions in the hotel room before we go back out and MC this event and recording this show. And it feels like we get to have this conversation with the community through here. But it also, you know, producing audio is a lot lighter than producing a YouTube video. And that is something I would say that it's not necessarily super, super intentional for us to put out more content on Spotify than on YouTube. And our preference, you know, if you like watching the videos, is that when there is a video to go watch it on YouTube. Because right now on YouTube, that is where our monetization comes from. You know? And so I would say like, 
if you really like, like I like listening to my podcast on Spotify, sometimes I watch on the YouTube, but I don't want you to change your behavior based on however you like to consume the show. But when there is a video component to it, watching on YouTube is, you know, it is something that is, is helpful for us. Yeah, I think what we need to do is make the experience better and be really clear about what comes out where and when. Agreed. So that, you know, ideally it's like YouTube is completely different from audio yeah. or they're exactly the same. Yep. And you know that. So you're not like checking YouTube to see if we like added something else. You know, I think it's like kind of an either or. Right. It's either we're putting out the same exact thing. It's just that one has video on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Or they're completely separate. Like the Colin and Samir show as an audio show is totally different. And Colin and Samir YouTube channel is is a different thing. And you get different experiences on both. Yeah. And and that's something that I don't think we've had the time or space to think about in the past couple months. No, we just know it's like a problem, sort of. I can't. The amount that Colin is yawning, guys. I'm sure you can I hear it. So tired. Is, I need a coffee before we get out on yawning. stage again. Yawning. Um, yeah. I'm. I'm. We toast. Didn't, oh, she didn't sleep much last night. You're toast. Yeah, I am. I'm toast. Yeah, you're toast. Um, okay, we'll 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 tighten things up here, and and <laughs> we anyway we have to get out of here in the next five minutes, Colin, to go back out and uh, do some bits on stage. By the way, we had the room going. I just want to acknowledge you guys weren't here, but we got some laughs that even you and I were <laughs> was completely amazed. unexpected yeah. with how many laughs we got. Yeah. People Adam, were like, I had no idea you guys were so funny. I was like, specifically, <laughs> Adam W. said that to us. And I think Adam W. is so funny. Yeah. He's such a, a funny guy, great, man. Uh, and, and he came with us. Great boost of confidence. Yeah, such a boost of confidence. He was like, hey, you guys are funny. I was like, we're funny? Come on. It's <laughs> yeah, crazy. I, I didn't like, know. Are you I had sure? no idea. Us? Okay. <laughs> um, okay. To close that one out, um, you know, I would say that we're trying to figure out how to be, you know, more uh, consistent on YouTube and how to make sure that we're having a more regular conversation with our community on YouTube. Because, you know, a lot of what we're doing, especially with these interviews, is they're, they're produced in advance. And that allows us to, to go out and travel and still put out an episode and, and um, allows us to have like timeless conversations with creators. But we also want to have those timely conversations. And so just want to open it up to say, like, this is something we're, we're trying to figure out. And I'm, I'm interested to hear everyone's feedback on this. I'm interested to hear uh, on the Reddit, like, how is your experience as an audience member right now? Uh, because that's really important to us. We, we, we want to know what the experience is like. We want to know uh, how you want it to be improved. We want to know what it feels like, you know, from, from the audience experience side. And this is the opportunity that we have. So we'd love to hear from you guys. Okay. I don't think we're going to go that deep on Twitch, but I do want to just acknowledge the Twitch news. And for those people who who haven't really seen what's going on on Twitch, there's been a lot of controversy around gambling. Streams that, you know, have gambling in them, creators who are involved with gambling sites, specifically like Stake.com or Rubet, crypto sites. And uh, Twitch has moved to, to ban some of those sites and some of that content from Twitch. And that's a pretty big deal. There's a lot of creators who are, who are talking about this I would urge you to just look it up. Uh, Twitch put out a, a press release, but you know we don't have a ton of time to go deep into it. Twitch also put out today um, in a blog post that they are changing up how revenue sharing works for for Twitch. Yeah, and they, they uh, interesting. Yeah. I actually, didn't it's, know it's this, super interesting. Yeah, go ahead. Twitch used to do uh, special rev share terms. Yeah, uh, so different terms for every creator for different creators. Yeah, uh, but they're going to move to fifty fifty. Yeah, for everyone, just because they acknowledged that you know they weren't public with that yeah. information and that it was unfair. Yeah, uh, interesting. So it is like this is a difficult 
of thing that, like, it, again, YouTube has been really, like, since the beginning with the partner program, has been doing something totally different, right? Like, it's a difficult thing to share revenue with a lot of people. It's super difficult. It's super difficult, and um, I think, you know, what's it's interesting to have these announcements happen on the same week because you see creators kind of coming back now and, and saying, hey, look at how YouTube's doing it. YouTube's also communicating. Their executives are communicating to creators. Um, so this is like running small little nations, right? Like these are like economies and, uh, you know, they have people who are impacted by the tax quote unquote or the, the cut that they have to pay back to the, to the platform. It is a complicated thing to do. Uh, something that Ludwig said on a show that, that Brian Jefferson tweeted out, he said, you don't grow on Twitch. Uh, that was Ludwig's quote. He said, if you're not growing, monetization needs to be strong. If a platform doesn't do either for a creator, there's little to no point on being on that platform. Yeah, I think Ludwig was saying, you don't grow on Twitch, you grow on YouTube or you grow elsewhere and then you bring people to Twitch. Yeah, or you do your stream on Twitch and you cut it up and put it on YouTube, right? Like that's that's how most Twitch creators are making their money uh, because the monetization is better. Mm -hmm. So it is really interesting. I think this all comes down to this next chapter of how platforms and creators are actually gonna engage with each other. And the reality is a lot of these platforms don't have creators in the room when they're making these decisions. And now they have to work a lot more collaboratively. Like for this to be a long lasting thing, you kind of have to have the voice of the people and the pulse of the people. And then at the same time, I think us as creators have to be empathetic and recognize that platforms are trying to do make one policy that works for everyone. And we are all very different. That is so hard. One policy that works for everyone. Like we've seen that in the world, that is a hard thing to do. Yep. So, you know, on both sides, it, it's interesting that more of this is becoming more public. I think platforms finding more ways to communicate. And again, us trying to use this show to bring you our take always on, on what's going on. All right. Thank you, everybody, for bearing with us today. We're a little tired, but a lot of really- Saying we, man? Yeah. I feel like I, I was bringing the really, energy. You've brought yourself back to life. Yeah. Yeah. In this conversation, talking like revs up my engine. Yep. 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 You can oh. say yep again. <laughs> yep. 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 All right, guys. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. Make sure to sub to the YouTube channel because we are closing in, Colin. <laughs> closing it. It feels like a running bit now. On we've one been million. talking about closing in on a million. Well, we've been closing in We started months. talking about it too early. We've been closing in for months. So, all right. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Put a comment in our Reddit if you have a question or feedback for us. And we'll see you next week. Right.